It is critical you pay attention at this time. The following program is being broadcast to all fans of Nova and for the preservation of the Zendarian homeworld's culture. I am the world mind and I am turning control over to my human host. Welcome to the latest episode of Xandar Radio. I'm Doug Smith, also known online as Nova64, and I run the Nova Prime page at novaprimepage.com. In this latest episode, the Learn More in Studio 64 segment has a new roundtable session as we take a look at the Annihilation Prologue and the Annihilation Nova miniseries. So I'll get started, and I'd like to thank you again for listening and following the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy it and will become one of the champions of Xandar Radio by following or subscribing to the podcast on your preferred platform. Over in comics, August saw a group of alien terrorists who appear to be wearing Black Nova helmet variants show up in X-Men number 14. There's no reference in this issue as to who these aliens are or what connection, if any, they have to the Black Novas. Also, Rich Rider Nova appears briefly in X-Men Red number 6 by Al Ewing, as Rich continues to protect the mutants who have colonized Mars from alien attackers. Now let's get to the Nova newsroom for updates on the human rocket. The Nova newsroom. In comics, Sam Alexander Nova appears on a variant cover to Avengers Forever number 9, scheduled to be released on September 21st. And for November, there's a solicitation for a non-continuity comic which ties into Disney's Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind ride. Here is Queen Adora with the listing. Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind number 1. Written by Kevin Shinnick with art by Gerardo Sandoval. The world mind is collecting data for the new Xandar Pavilion on Terra and who knows Earth better than Peter Quill? Probably a lot of people but definitely not the other Guardians. What Star-Lord doesn't know is that a Celestial has been watching and waiting for the Guardians of the Galaxy to be distracted to begin his plan to wipe humanity from existence. The one-shot is scheduled for release the week of November 2nd. Let's take a look at Top's latest Nova digital cards in its Marvel Collect app. Sam Alexander Nova appears on two cards of the Entertainment set, three cards in the Omnibus Series 2 set, and on two cards in the Cosmic Odyssey set. And finally, Rich Rider Nova appears on two cards in the Reflection set. As always, if you're interested, images of the items mentioned in this news segment can be found at novaprimepage.com. Coming up is the Learn More in Studio 64 segment featuring a roundtable session as we take a look at the Annihilation Prologue and the Annihilation Nova miniseries. Learn more in Studio 64. Welcome to Learn More in Studio 64. Today, Don, Corey, and I are going to begin our look at Annihilation. And even though this is audio only, I can already tell Don's bouncing in his chair to, to talk about it. So, Don, why don't you lead this one? I have, to, I have a few more moments of bouncing, and then I will begin. This is a great story. This is now if you have not, we everybody's podcast is their first podcast and some and some comic is everyone's first comic. If this is your first time looking up the material and you haven't read it yet, 
Lots of spoilers ahead for probably what may be Nova's greatest storyline, I think. Personally, my my two cents is, you know, some Daredevil has, you know, Frank Miller and Thor has Walt Simonson. And this is Keith Geffens and Andy Schmidt, the editor of the story. This is their love letter kind of to, to Nova and some of these other characters to really take a chance and shine. So if you're a long-suffering Nova fan like I was at the time, now Nova's been around since 1976. It's almost 30 years later. He's only had 50 solo issues to this point before Annihilation, and, and now he's going to be the star. And if you, if you look at Annihilation Prologue, where we're starting, Annihilation Prologue, Gabriel Del Otto, a great Italian cover artist. So they're they're spending top dollar for, for this Nova story. And, and of course, you know, it's got the Super Scroll, Silver Surfer, Ronan, and some guy named Thanos kind of appears in it. Some people may or may not heard of Thanos and Drax the Destroyer. But it gets to be, as Keith Giffen said, some neglected characters, a chance he got to set a fire under some neglected characters is how he described it. So it starts off written in the Annihilation Prologue. And it's like a movie poster. It really is. And they made it into a poster, the, the cover for Annihilation Prologue, the Gabriel Del Otto cover. It's just great. It's just a great looking package. When you guys first heard about this, Corey, what did you, what did you think even before you, you picked up the first page or the first look at this book? I it, I remember it being a big deal and it, it, it coming out around the time of Civil War as well. But I remember being very excited. Nova is kind of right, you know, front and center on the cover. But I wasn't exactly sure how much he was going to be the focus. I kind of thought he was going to be, you know, like one fourth of the story being, you know, being that the prologue kind of spins off into these four miniseries. But he turns out to be a pretty central character. And yeah, it was it was really cool. Like it was like you said, Don, it, he hadn't been, uh, you know, he'd never gotten this kind of a feature before. He as we've been covering in previous episodes, he'd been a member of the New Warriors. He had his own he's had two solo series at, at the time but they were they were first in the 70s and then it struck you know struggled by the end of the 70s and then in the 90s as part of the new warriors and so this this really like stepped him into a whole new sphere that was pretty unprecedented for the character really i mean he'd had some space-bound adventures sure but this this felt different doug what did you think the first time i saw it, it took all it took was the cover you know, up to that point, I mean, it's a little more standard now to see these kind of, like Don said, movie poster covers and stuff. But at this point, the painted covers, other than outside of Alex Ross, you didn't see those quite so much. And something like this one, especially since it was Nova, they had me right at that. Yes. And, and when we last saw Nova was, you know, it ended in 2005, the reality check graphic novel but it, it is kind of interesting Corey brought it up that you know that nova's getting his his day in the sun when civil war is going on and and yet this is one of those stories annihilation that's been reprinted many times in many formats hardcovers omnibus additional printings of the trade paperbacks so this it was in every sense you know kind of what the excitement of the art and it became you know a really big hit so we go from reality check to annihilation and in the in the prologue we can just jump right into it from March 2006. And so we have Keith Geffen, again, as we mentioned, uh, it's an idea that Andy Schmidt, the uh, editor of the story, and Keith Geffen had kind of kicked around to use some characters, not unlike New Warriors with Tom DeFalco when he picked Nova out of the wreckage and gave him, you know, a new story to be in with the New Warriors. 
Nova gets to be part of this, this story and this team. So what we're going to do today, Annihilation Prologue number one and Annihilation Nova miniseries one through four also, which began one month after Annihilation Prologue in 2006. So we get to open up with dark, dreary Thanos because he's such a happy guy. Black page, black art. And, and just to say something about the art, there, I know that different people have different opinions about every artist. And Scott Collins sometimes gets, you know, he has really good fans. And he also has, every artist has some detractors. But I thought the the unique coloring that Chung brought into there, this, a, a, a watercolor artist, it's almost like looking at animation cells, the way that she lit up the different pages and set the tone with the, with the lighting and the coloring and, and kind of like this watercolors color. For some people, maybe it was too animated style. But I thought, you know, for the story, they did a great job, you know, and, and for people that didn't like the art, okay, you didn't like it. But I thought for a presentation, a 48-page one-shot, it looked pretty good. And we could go over every single page, and there are, you begin right away, Annihilation Day, the Annihilation Wave, Annihilus, a Jack King Kirby character created 1968 to oppose the Fantastic Four from the negative zone. Annihilus has decided that people are kind of bleeding in. He's seen the Fantastic Four invade his negative zone a few times. He's kind of tired of it. So that gives him the idea that he's just going to take over negative space and positive space and just rule everything. So he's here. He's unhappy. He's looking for, well, an entire universe to rule. And he starts off with the Annihilation Wave. Huge energy wave, wave of ships, wave of aliens, and it's very destructive. And they're coming, and they're coming for Xandar. And poor little Xandar, we are Xandar Radio, but poor little Xandar gets wiped out. Well, again, that's, let's just say, say what happens. But we see Rich Ryder come in, and he's hanging out with the troops, and he's being treated like a rookie. He's being looked down upon by, by a couple of his peers. And he's like, hey, I, I've been doing this for five years which is an interesting thing for Rich Ryder to say. So again, we're talking about 30 years of reading him, but for Rich, he's been Nova for five years. That kind of sets the idea that he's been a new warrior. He's experienced now. He's not thinking that he's the rookie here, but he's being treated as such as the Annihilation Wave hits. So we've got the opening pages of this 48-page spectacular. Corey, what was your first first thoughts of the opening pages? I think, you know, you mentioning sort of the animation feel yeah i mean it, it has sort of a cinematic feel to it from the beginning and it feels again it feels like something like something serious is happening here you know i mean fan oh just opening it with Thanos, kind of paying attention to it and noticing it and death being joined by the personification of death also saying hey watch this watch who's coming because uh take notes <laughs> because this this is notable you know, you know something serious is happening. This actually came out uh, just after Thanos had his own solo series right before this that I believe was written by Jim Starlin. And so some of these characters that we see in these opening scenes are actually from that book, like the little child death here and the kiln uh, prison sort of system. The two guards here that we see, they're SWAD. They are from that Thanos series. And, you know, it's, it's, it basically establishes in these opening scenes that the stakes are high, that not everyone is going to make it out alive. You know, it's almost like stepping back from the superhero genre a little bit and into a war comic. Obviously, it's still superheroics. It's still sci-fi. But it's, it's leaning more into that science fiction war comic kind of feel. And it feels like, you know, feels gritty uh, all the sort of like sci-fi talk and the while we're in xandar 
the the sort of hub and and all the activity of people coming and going and the, feels kind of you know Star Warsy, but without being derivative, it feels like this is living, thriving world beyond the Marvel Earth universe. Doug, how did you take kind of these opening scenes here? Even it caught me right from the first page because it's like this long establishing shot where you see these Kirby crackles and the threat is obviously big compared to the planetscape that's below it. And then it goes to Thanos, who I think the fact that that Keith Giffen put death right there with him to help establish the size of the threat, I think helped because you have the personification of death right there saying the per and we don't know who it is yet, but she's saying to Thanos, you know, big scale villain, she's saying, you can learn from this one because I know him intimately. So, you know, it's at least as big a threat as Thanos himself and maybe even bigger by the way death itself is describing it. I, I, that kind of gives you the almost that, and like Don, you said, the coloring adds to that heavy, ominous threat feel that's there. And then, you know, we cut over to the crunch and then we're at the, the Clin prison facility. And so you get just by the change in the art, the way that it's less, it's less watercolory. It's still there, but you get the shift to the more grays and the, the blues where it's more prison feeling and and again we're not we're only about what three four five pages in and this giant galactic prison is getting blown to shreds even as we're just starting it's already got that big summer blockbuster movie feel to it and the nice thing is it doesn't let up through the whole thing as we'll find out later but just a, a terrific start even in these first handful of pages. Yeah, it's it's a great start. It is. I, I like all the observations you guys are talking, you know, movie, TV, and, and the countdown. You can kind of go through the entire story once you've read through the whole thing and, and put together the timeline. So you have Annihilation Day, when Annihilus breaks through, Annihilation, so you had Annihilation minus seven, then you have plus seven, Annihilation plus 205 when Rich, you know, puts some things together later on down in the story. So, yeah, it's it's mapped out really well. So and, and as a science fiction guy, just to throw out there for for some of the uh, uh, resume for for Keith Giffen, he's an artist, he's a writer. He's probably it absolutely should be in every Hall of Fame in comics for all the work that he did between DC and Marvel writing and drawing. But he is the co-creator of Rocket Raccoon. So he's got some street cred when it comes to the science fiction stuff. As we move forward in this, uh, I guess, epic, as we say, and we're flashing to different scenes. We see Drax. He's with a human uh, prisoner that they're trying to escape from during all the confusion from the prison and explosions. And the Nova Corps goes into action and you see Nova working with his two partners and it gets bad really fast. But what I liked is that even though Nova was being treated and dismissed as a rookie or as a newbie, he's the first Nova to start to figure out that the the aliens don't care about the body count, that they're aiming at whatever and wherever they see things. And they'll even shoot each other if they can't react fast enough, which is exactly what the human rocket does, is he goes into action and causes them to misfire and start shooting at each other. And several of his Novas start to uh, turn the tide a little bit, at least for a moment, and get them to destroy each other until the next couple big explosions. And 
Nova's brand new friend that she's actually offered to uh, be his mate forever if he can get her through this thing. And he almost does. And then we lose Sam in kind of a gruesome part of the uh, death scene. Another couple of big explosions. And the last Nova standing, quite literally, is our Richard Ryder as he gets through the wreckage. It's it's really the, the coloring. And again, every single panel, like Doug talked about, whether it's your the darkness at the beginning with the death kind of thing, graying things. And, and when the Nova Corps is reacting, things are bright and happy and big colors. Corey mentioned the Star Wars reference. When you see the leader of the, of the Nova Centurions talking before them, kind of floating up in a big place. It looks like a scene out of any big, you know, Star Wars or science fiction movie as she's trying to rally the troops before it all uh, literally went to heck and big explosions and Nova's the last one standing. We still have some more story that introduces some of the other characters, but here we go. We have a giant Nova core. We have Nova being a good guy and being the hero and trying to save the day. And now suddenly again, there's only one Nova left. This time it's it's Rich Ryder and Corey. What do you think of the big action sequences as we get through this opening saga? Yeah, this. I mean, this was intense. You know, it just so quickly fell apart. You know, they were basically rallying to sort of you know f- face off against this threat that they knew was coming. They were just really going to go investigate different planets and things like that. And all and but they it was like systems, star systems away. It wasn't you know they weren't expecting them to be there, and so they just were all of a sudden caught unprepared and it's so it's a scramble and uh, so you can kind of feel that panic and that that sort of them trying to to sort of respond the best way they can and then yeah basically Xandar's like main spaceport is blown up and just starts raining down on them you know it's it's intense and then yeah the bright bright yellow just just blinding burning spaceport that just just fries them all up and then you transition into this into the black with these red frames, red, red panel borders. He's just badly injured. His hands are all charred. He's surrounded in ruins and the Nova Corps has been destroyed and Xandar has been destroyed. And while both of those things have happened an alarmingly uh, (laughs) frequent amount of times, this is the first time that Nova Richard Ryder has been present for it. And it's devastating. And you can just see him just absolutely fried from it. And I love that moment on on the page, second page in of the scene of him just in the ruins. And there's this moment of a real close up of his face and profile. And he's no dialogue. And then the next panel, he's like, oh, I, I blacked out. Like he is so shocked and battered that he's just he's he's like basically passing out while he's standing and he's, you know, blinking in and out of consciousness and just completely out of it. And and then he's looking around at just the the wreckage, and then he sits down. He's just so he's just so wiped out and so defeated. And he's looking for anybody. He takes out a little communicator in his belt, and it just basically like crumbles in his hand because it's just he's just wrecked. And it really establishes the stakes of like we don't even know at this point. We don't even know who the main villain is. They're just these like sort of bug like things, ships and and troopers, very insect like that are attacking. Doug, what, what did you think? The one thing that I really like as we just head into that, the Xandar portion of this, is even from that first establishing panel, it shows that Xandar isn't just, you know, they didn't get resurrected after Star Lost and they're just still this little, you know, 
little block of cities like they usually are portrayed, they are growing, they're thriving, they are, I mean, we've got dome cities all over the place just in this panel, and you've got a spaceport, and then you see just, you know, masses of humanity there. And then we see the core itself. You know, you think by now Rich would be used to interacting with other aliens, but you can tell he's almost, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but its I, it seems kind of new to him to actually be in such a thriving Nova Corps because he's never really had that with him. Even, even in the Xandar Scroll War, the core wasn't as big as what it looks like here. But just that big shot of of everybody in their seats and stuff, I think it just gives it that, like you guys were saying, that Star Wars scale to it. And then you know the the attacks coming through, and and it's it's that same kind of reaction we see out of Rich a lot when things are just kind of calm and normal. He's you know he he can socially interact with people and everything else, but boy, when the action starts, it's like he kicks that extra gear on and now he is directing people and he's saying okay we need to do this and this guys and get your crap together and let's go over here and we've got a big threat coming and and boy is that a threat i mean the artwork it's just things are blowing up left right boom 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 you know it's like a michael bay movie and everything's getting blown up and you've got debris raining down and rich is still the one in there going okay you guys are seem like you're freaking out you were giving me you know you were giving me a hard time earlier because i didn't seem like i know what i'm doing but i'm the only one who's knowing what they're doing right now he's leading the troops and he's flouting strategies and then i think even the sam character you see a huge amount of respect once he starts leading the tactics and the strategies everybody starts following him it's like okay he knows what he's doing like you were talking about Corey, nova is actually getting to experience xandar's destruction you know that for you know this is like the third time it's been destroyed but to him this is the very first time and he's had to experience it and like you said it's super traumatic and it's obviously something that affects him to this day as a character so yeah that's that's kind of how i'm feeling about the rest of this issue and then we see uh here at the end we see the other characters starting to come in we have ronan and we have the silver surfer who are just becoming aware that something big is coming down but of course rich already knows what's going down and and then we uh then we see here at the end it's the big reveal that it is annihilus and then we have the da database stuff that came out at the very end, which I thought, you know, I love that kind of stuff where they give you that handbook kind of reference material. I think that is very respectful uh, on the publisher's part, because as Don, you said, this could be somebody's first exposure to these characters. And having that little bit of database there at the end to help bring people up to speed I think is wonderful. I always like that. And I do appreciate that they added that in. Yeah, the 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 Nova core database is pretty cool. And and we've kind of talked about people love to do the comparisons of Green Lantern Core to Nova Core and these different kinds of things. And, and even Rich is as asking somewhere along the issue, you know, aren't we just more like police officers? But 
he is, you know, a centurion and Roman centurions were officers in the Roman Empire in the Roman army. And the, they show the different ranks and the rank structures that, as we see, this was a an army trying to defend against an invading army. It didn't exactly work out for the Nova Corps this time, <laughs> but, you know, the, just in, in that comparison of Green Lanterns maybe being space cops and Nova Nova Corps members, Nova Centurion members, the, the, their duties, which get pointed out when we move into the miniseries, is, yeah, the so the database stuff was really cool. Nice, really nice addition. And yes, we did get you kind of barely mentioned that Ronan's in there and Silver Surfer. They they do only get a couple page introductions into their story. Drax is in there a little bit more. But the main hero, the main character that's being shown in the 48 page one shot to introduce Annihilation is our very own Richard Ryder. And he gets to move on then into his own miniseries, as does uh, Drax gets his own miniseries, Silver Surfer, Ronan, and the Super Scroll. We move on to Annihilation. Nova number one. So it's it's always a good thing. Like I said, to this point in 30 years, Nova's had 50 solo issues. So to see Rich's you know name and lights, Nova, and it gets another great Gabriel Del Otto painted cover. And the, the it's kind of like there's so much heat coming off of him and so much damage coming off of him. And people will notice, hey, his uniform is very different on the cover. How does that get to be? Let's read the issue and find out. <laughs> so this issue is not by our uh, main writer of the series, Keith Giffen. This is by a pair of writers and artists, Dan Abnett and Andy Landing, which we affectionately refer to most of the time on this show as DNA. The two writers that teamed up to write the longest run of Nova, and they start with this miniseries. Kev Walker is an, the artist on the series, and he has a bunch of different credits, but I loved what he did on, on this particular uh, series and issue and, this, and the scope and scale that, that he drew the series is great. We have a new colorist, but to the, the art team, to their credit, try to keep somewhat of the emulate some of the colors and some of the things that are leaping off of our introductory issue. So it flashes back to big destructions and what had happened. And there's a voice constantly say, asking these things and offering updates and information. We don't know what this voice is. We, this disembodied voice. And we get after the explosions, we get a little snowfall. Great perspective. If you've ever been laying down into the snow and you look up into the sky, this is what you're going to see in the panel. And it's coming down to the now gaining his consciousness once again is Rich Ryder. Are you there? Give me, give me a sec. And he says, this is how the series, I just thought it was perfect. He goes, I have a question. <laughs> if I'm the only one left alive, who the hell is talking to me? And this is where we get the world mind, once known as the living computers of Xandar, introduced way back in the first volume, the first issues of, of Nova, the living computers of Xandar, which is all the history, all the culture, every little bit of information about Xandar into one as Rich calls it, a supercomputer. That's his his only ref, frame of reference for it. And World Mind goes, yeah, sure. I guess uh, if if I'm if I'm those things. And so we get a beat up, bedraggled Nova in his classic costume. He's definitely been through. He's a battle damaged Nova, if you'd say, for for an action figure. And he's barely able to get up. He's barely able to stand on one of the fragments of Xandar that's now being uh, snow covered. And he sees a few aliens that are eating. The remnants of dead Zandarians. So this, of course, fires up Rich. And of course, he also 
in this conversation talks about the concerns of having all of the Nova Force, since only a fragment of the Nova Force is what's carried his career for five years of great powers and, and great abilities. And he's seen, as we've talked about on the show before, Garth and Saul, who went crazy when he had all the Nova Force in him at once. And so what the what World Mind is needing is a place to go. And he wants to go into, you know, wants into the, the suit and, and merge with Rich. So we got a lot of things going on in these opening pages. Corey, what'd you think? This is of the four of these four issues of these this miniseries. This issue is probably my favorite, particularly because of this opening scene. I just I don't know I don't know what it is, but I just love these kinds of scenes where the character is just is just w- awakening <laughs> to to just the worst possible case uh, scenario ever. I love the snow. I like that you mentioned that. I love the the use of the snow. So and actually a detail that I missed is that so so you know Xandar is these three sort of like planet sort of constructions and and so one of them was like blasted out of orbit from the attack. And so Nova is on this like basically a drift planet. That's why it's snowing. It's basically drifting away from the sun, from its sun. So I, I hadn't quite caught that detail. I just saw the snow and I just figured like, well, you know, snowing. But it kind of adds some adds more stakes to the scene because very shortly the planet's going to be uninhabitable. And so he he needs to get off and he needs to leave. But he kind of can't just take off because the the, the world mind is telling him like, well you got to save me first. And then Nova keeps getting sort of distracted because it's like, well, I can't just stand by and watch these monsters pick off the corpses here. But yeah, I just love just the, he's just battered him, <laughs> battle damage. Like you said that he's just, you know, wiped out and he's just pulling himself from the absolute nadir of his existence and trying to find the energy to do something. And he's just dragging himself across this planet and, and the relationship that is starting to form here between Worldmine and Nova is wonderful. And that continues on into the ongoing. It's such a great dynamic, such a wonderful use of Nova's mythology, but just kind of spinning it in a unique way. But, but yeah, there is a reference to the Starloss saga of Gareth and Saul getting all of the Nova Corps. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that Rich doesn't mention that he briefly had it as well, but, but it didn't, as he says, didn't go well. And he kind of had to, he could only contain it very briefly. And then they had to sort of take it off of him and, and give him a part of it. Uh, this was a very cool, again, like as, as Doug, as Doug was saying, this is Nova being not an A-list character. This is when that is to the character's benefit because this kind of, dramatic shift to say spider-man or captain america couldn't really happen you know maybe it could it could kind of happen in the in the 60s when the characters were still getting kind of hammered out but but at this point in the mid 2000s that this would not have happened you know spider-man revealed his identity that was like the big earth-shattering thing but he's still in the essence the same character he had been before it's just that the characters around him responded to him differently but that was like the big earth-shattering thing that had happened around the same time but the core of the character remained. Nova, well, the core of the character still remains, but his status quo dramatically changed and his maturity, like this, these, these scenes are changing the character's priorities, his, how he views the world and how he views his place in the world. And not only among Earth's heroes community, it's changing his perspective of how he sees his place there, but his, his place in the 
grander universe. You could feel the trauma, the absolute just burden that he felt. But it wasn't like so heavy and so morose that it didn't have moments of humor, like that opening scene where he's like, "Who who's talking to me if I'm the only one left? And the interplay between the two of them, the world mind and Nova, like that evo- will evolve into something that's really delightful. It's really like wonderful element of the book. I love this. And like I said, this is probably my favorite issue of the four. Doug, what do you think? Check me on this. With those first couple of pages, my impression that is Rich's visor and it's the world mind trying to break through and showing him these images of what's happening until he gains consciousness. And I love the way the art on this is done. And it's this, you know, you're setting up what happened in the prologue in two pages, but it's for a purpose. I love this scene here in the snow. It gives us as a reader almost a sense of the reality of it in that it's snow and it's earth feeling. It feels less science fiction-y, if that makes sense, because you've got real Earth-type weather. You know what that feels like, and that sense of, you know, it's just in the winters, it's got that kind of that quiet, just still feel like you would have in this situation where everything is dead, and all you have is Rich talking to the world mind, and I really love these panels where he's trying to get his head back together. It's, okay, I just, you know, everything around me has just been destroyed and and I need a minute to to just gather myself. Whereas a lot of, you know, characters, you would see, it would be normal to see Captain America just wake up and jump up and go running in with his shield and not miss a beat. But I love how Rich is portrayed very human here. And even panel by panel, you start to see Rich is, he's getting it together. But the first thing he does when he comes across a threat, when he sees the Annihilus bugs, action mode again, and he jumps back in no matter what's happened to him, which obviously wasn't probably the smartest thing for him to do because as, as the panel says, wham, and he goes you know, flying through the snow And then he finally admits that he has to get out of there after the world mind keeps saying, get out of there, get out of there. I love this thing where we, the hub, where the world mind is. That's fascinating to me that it was contained in this area that somehow survived everything. And I just love the visuals on the hub and this whole sequence where he's talking to this holographic representation of the world mind. and. And like you guys were saying, I like the acknowledgement of Garth and Saul, where the world mind saying, hey, you know, I need your body as a vessel to carry everything. And Rich is going, whoa, time out, time out there, Timmy. We've got a, we've had this happen before and it was bad. And then I like the reasoning that the world mind's given him, because I think if that hadn't been there with Rich acknowledging Garth or the world mind explaining why it's different, I think a lot of Nova fans, would, even though we've seen him hold it all before, it, it wasn't for very long, like you said, Don, and it wasn't, I don't think it was going to end well if he kept going that route. So to have those kind of pieces put in place by Abnett and Lanning, 
you know, as a reader, you accept it easier. But there's also that underlying thing as a reader. What if something goes wrong with the world mind? There is a potential threat of Nova becoming a, a cosmic threat at some point later down the road. But Rich has this giant influx of power. He's still angry. He wants revenge on, on these people. And so then the, he knows that the threat's still above there. And his initial rider temper is, okay, I've got the power now to bring the fight to you, and I'm going to go do it, even though the world mind's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. And so we get to see that power level exploding out, and he loses control of it, of course, and blows things up. And, and then we're, again, we're back in the snow. And then Drax and Cammy show up at the very end here. And then we get some more database pages, which, of course, Avi, I love more than anything. Yeah, fantastic issue. Loved it. I thought for the costume change, it was the greatest reason of all time to show the costume change because they, the world mind's being added to him. And the Kev Walker art showing the the power adjustment and the changes. Well, really, I think it's, it's again, kind of a perfect issue to me when you go and you look at and an artist who's able to do body language when Rich is hurt and barely able to get up in the snow. And then he's desperately fighting, even though the world mind reminds him he's at 12% power. They have, uh, as Doug talked about, the, the conversation in the in the chamber. But then when he's added with that power, really, really, really good artwork. And then we get to see that costume for the very first time, the new costume, which was an adjustment. I, you know, as a longtime fan and a long, longtime reader, the classic costume so great. And, and suddenly the, the, the new costume is very interesting and, and more, much more armor looking than before. But the, the adjustment, the reason why you have to make the big changes all made sense. And as time went on, of course, the, the new Nova costume, the new Centurion costume, his Nova Prime look really, really grew on me. But yes, as Doug pointed out, as soon as he gets the additional powers, he goes to work without unchecked trying to see what it's all about. And that's kind of the rich writer we know. And it's a long, long way from Marvel Burger in 1976 when he gets those powers, getting a burger in a restaurant, to the remnants of an alien planet in the snow getting powers. But yeah, I think uh, that was a really good point that Doug talked about. The snow kind of, at least for us mere earthlings, to try to uh, recognize no matter how far away he is from Marvel Burger and from Earth, he's still a guy and we know what snow feels like and we know, you know, what a desperate situation feels like. This is this is one of those things where where this was also coming out at the time when I was a, a comic shop owner. And if people wanted to know, you know, why I think Nova's really cool or what makes him cool or what's a really good issue that shows so many different things from his attitude, from his and then kind of the, the beginnings of the buddy buddy movie. Rich, world mind, banter, alien world, big changes, evolution for Nova. This is kind of that issue you can hand to people and go, this is it. You'll see how cool Nova is if you just read that. If you had to read just one comic to see how cool he was. This is kind of one of those great classics. Perfect art, perfect coloring, great pace of the story. And we get to see the next part of the story where, where we get together with Drax. Drax's survivor from Xandar. So really, these are the only three people so far that we know that survived the entire Annihilation Wave. Yeah, and more Nova core database artwork stuff. Final thoughts, Corey? Did you have anything else on that, on the second half of that? Well, I just want to echo, I'm glad you're mentioning the artist because, yeah, the, the art is fantastic. I think you're absolutely right. Like the tones, the different shifts of these different scenes where we start dragging himself up from the ground 
and and that feel of it that sort of that like grittiness and that exhaustion is there the body language is fantastic and then you know through to like battle scenes through to him getting new powers through to him flying through space blowing up spaceships i mean all these scenes are just wonderful i love how he draws his face you know rich's face is just so just like you can just feel the exhaustion and the you know he has been through something it has changed him so yeah i just want to sort of call out the art because it really is fantastic doug would you have any final thoughts on the issue oh no i'm good (laughs) 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 all right so that i thought the also the i guess the last thought on issue one the title for the uh, issue is kind of interesting interesting because it's all for one so the last one the last nova all for one and the next issue has an interesting story title going from all for one and now it's n1 for all great double page spread with the title page nova who now has the world world mind and has all the powers and is nova prime and has all the nova force now rich is nervous because he went off it didn't go well he thought world mind was going to keep him in check he didn't exact he couldn't they're still working on their power levels and their team up and how they're going to work together so we, we start this issue with a very reluctant Rich who doesn't want to use his powers. He's afraid he's going to hurt people. He's afraid he's going to become that big, powerful supervillain that can't control the powers. He's worried about that. So as we start the story, kind of an interesting thing is now as we see a, a bit of a, an embodiment, a personification that just Rich can see of the world mind, looking like a Nova, looking back at him kind of in, in a digital sense. But when everybody else looks at Rich, it looks like he's talking to himself, which is part of the fun. So we, we're still in the snow and we're still Rich is still debating with World Mind. Rich is still trying to get literally get his footing to see if he can handle his new responsibilities, much greater power, much greater responsibility, his new evolution, as it were. Drax is reminding him they've got to move on. It, just like World Mind, reminding him, we got to we got to get going. We got to get out of here. So they go looking for a ship. And World Mind directs them to a ship, and that one doesn't work out, so they have to go to another ship. Drax kills some aliens. Drax goes into action. Nova doesn't do anything. Again, he's worried. And Cammy says, "Hey, what? Why aren't you? Why aren't you helping out?" So they have a really interesting conversation while Drax is off doing things. And in order to kind of show Drax that he's not crazy, he hands him, you know, they call it the hat, you know, his helmet. That and and Drax gets to have a little conversation with World Mind. So they get to know. Rich is weird, but he's not crazy, which is what we've all known. Rich is weird, but he's not crazy. So we get his Antarian ship and we get everybody in there and we start to get the heck out of there. And again, this is the art that kind of goes back to what the the pace that Kev Walker is keeping kind of that art style that Scott Collins used in the one shot for that Zandarian looking ship, which is I thought was kind of cool. And they're getting uh, off and in line. And then Rich finally does power up and we get to see in a giant splash page of how powerful the energy is and they are off to the races getting off to the next part of the story where they run into someone we all know if you're a cosmic fan quasar which is an old friend wendell vaughn quasar of rich rider so they're happy to see each other as the issue wraps up Another great Gabriel Dell auto cover. It shows Nova fighting Drax. That doesn't actually happen in the issue, but it still makes for a cool cover. Do you think the second issue kept things going, Corey? Yeah, this is, you know, you have to go somewhere. Like, you can't just be alone on a dying planet forever. So so something has to happen. And so, yeah, bring in two characters that we saw in the first one shot there. 
And so, yeah, they, it's sort of adding the two of them to the group dynamic here. And there is some humorous interactions here where, you know, Cammy's very flippant, kind of young teenager. Drax, very sort of dry and direct. And Rich is a little more, uh, you know, uh, yeah, seems unstable because he's talking to nothing, seemingly. And yeah, I do. It's a very funny moment where Rich just sort of throws in the helmet and is like, you, you two figure it out. And Cammy and he have sort of this moment. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. He is eventually convinced to open up a Stargate and get the ship off of the planet, and which is where they then run into Quasar. So, yeah, we're kind of like opening up the, the world of instead of just sort of being stuck on this little rock. Now we're going to another planet and, and running into Quasar, who's watching over this planet. So, yeah, I liked it. As this issue is being released, the, there are the other three miniseries that are being released at the same time. And some of those are kind of like jumping around time. And as Don mentioned, you can kind of look at those, all the little scene headings of how many days after Annihilation Day it took. And you can map out all these things and how they interlock. It's very cool. But this one, uh, the Nova series, pretty contained to just like this one sort of day after the Zendar Falls. And so it has a little bit more of an intimate feel to it, despite the cosmic stakes that are around it. The powers that Nova is exhibiting are not going unnoticed. Annihilus is able to sense them and it's getting his attention. And so that that will come into play a little later. So yeah, still still loving it. Very cool kind of evolution as Nova is figuring out these powers. Doug, what did you think? You know, the first thing I really liked was the cover. It's very colorful, very actiony. Yeah, just some reason I this is my favorite cover. You know, you would think it'd be the first issue, but I like the second one even more. The first what's what do we got? Six pages here. The I think the really nice thing is how his interaction with the world mind is changing. At first, you know, the world mind is you know, trying to get him, you know, get, hey, wake up, we got to get, you know, here's the plan, we got to go. And Rich is getting a grip on what's going on. The world mind's thinking is, especially since it's an AI system, it doesn't seem to really care about the human factor. To him, anybody that's stopping the the mission is just something that'd be disregarded. And yeah, I don't care if it's, you know, human lives or whatever. You got to stay on the task of protecting me. Where Rich, Rich, he sees, he sees the ethics and the humanity and the reason to keep fighting is to protect people. And you see it in their argument that the world mind is arguing, you got to protect the history and the legacy of Xandar and me, where Rich is okay, if that is my goal, then also I have to I have to stand up for the ethics and the code of what Xandar stood for, that conflict between the two, because it makes sense. It doesn't feel forced to me. And then you've got Drax introduced here. And you know, the, the funniest parts I thought were everybody questioning if that's Drax the Destroyer, and they all know that he is. But they also all recognize that given the situation, you know, maybe maybe your past history isn't really the big issue here right now. Where Rich is going, so no history of destroying in your past. Whereas it's almost kind of an interesting turn. Then you see the world mind going, trying to appeal to the the whole ethic issue. Hey, this is a mass murder. You got to stop him. And Rich is like, hey, I we need all the people we can get right now. And I got to protect these people no matter what, because they're still people. And like you were saying, Don, we get to see 
Rich is scared of the power now because he's already lost control of it once, even though the world mind was, was going to be helping him. And that really seems that fits into Rich's character. And then we go down here into the sub levels and we, we fight some bugs. And then like you guys were talking about, we have Quasar show up and I think it makes some really interesting dynamics when it relates to Nova, because now Nova has these basically three different personalities that he's, that he's having to deal with. He's got the logic and the AI, you know, emotionless. We got to follow the logic part of the world mind. And then he's got the, the fighter, the killer, the, the man of action who is going to have to do what has to be done to win this fight with Drax. And then you got Quasar, who to me is, should be all, he should be one of Rich's best friends in the hero community because their personalities, they both see being a hero the same way. It's almost like they're brotherly. And I, I see the way this series is with those three, with the world mind and Drax and Quasar, they are rounding Rich out. And it gives us a chance to see Rich in different ways, different scenarios. He gets to bounce the situation off of these different three aspects, which is helping shape Rich into the character that we know he becomes later. So. Again, I love the, I love that this issue a lot. Yeah, I know I know why you like that cover so much is your favorite because he's because Nova's beating the heck out of Drax, <laughs> giving him a good thumping. Yeah, even so, with a knife yeah, in his, his leg. <laughs> right, stab no problem. You know now he's Nova Prime. He's just gonna whoop this guy, whether he's you know Drax the Destroyer or whoever he is. Yeah, no, it's and 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 you know when we talk about all these other different series and different things happening. Nova's power level is really jumping off the, the page, quite literally. And so we get these comparisons. Here's our favorite hero. It's like, oh, you like Spider-Man? Well, my guy can open Stargates. <laughs> so, so Rich, like we said, it's a long way from Marvel Burger. So now we get to move on to the third issue where Quasar gets to be the cover uh, hero for this one guest starring Quasar. And when you're talking about our Annihilation Days, we're around, you know, Annihilation Day plus 11, we're moving plus 12. Corey mentioned we're starting to, we've gone from that lonely uh, Rich in the Snow, which we really like that first issue where he's just by himself. This story being called Safety in Numbers because we're getting a lot more people. I agree with Doug that I think Wendell and, and Rich Riders should be great friends. And they do get along here. They do have some good moments as we go towards the end of our little mini series, which is really still all just a prequel to the big main story of Annihilation and that miniseries that uh, starts in a couple of months at that time. So we get the greetings, safety in numbers, we get and, and the inside joke that's not necessarily an inside joke anymore, where Nova is telling Quasar, uh, this is Drax. And he's like, Drax? Yeah. And Drax goes, just Drax. And Nova, another great line, who may or may not have a past in destroying <laughs> and a few of the you know didn't used to be taller jokes I, I, and i forgot that was my favorite moment when nova met world mind he goes i thought you'd be taller so you know you have abnet and landing you know really rich has always had a good sense of humor and he's got a great sense of humor in this particular series and especially once again anytime he gets to start having these conversations and dealing with world mind as they try to understand each other a little bit better 
So Wendell is in a situation where he's trying to evacuate a planet of millions of people before they get hit with the annihilation wave. What's kind of cool where Rich feels like he's thrown on the bus by Drax is Drax explains that Rich has the entire Nova force in him, that he's afraid of it. As we talked about before over the last couple of issues, now Drax though is throwing him under the bus so that everybody's caught up on what's going on. Although I'm not quite sure why he did that other than just to catch Quasar up on things because Drax is still talking about, you know, he wishes they had a bunch of destroyers so they could destroy everything. If he's worried about, if he's so worried about Rich destroying everything, why throw him under the bus with Quasar? I don't quite understand. Anyway, we have some of the arguments with the characters and we finally start to get back into the action sequences because the Annihilation Wave, of course, is catching up with them. And Quasar jumps into action. Some really great Again, you got almost a half page of Quasar. The art, Kev Walker is keeping up, and the art is still, for the entire series, very consistent and very consistently amazing. I still think some of the panels where people talk about drawing heroes and not being able to show emotion, they did a really good job with Buckethead, our, our hero, Nova, being able to show emotions. A couple panels later, two-thirds of a page, were Rich with his new costume rocketing up into action himself, gritting his teeth and going into action you can show plenty of emotion if you're Kev Walker because, it, look, it is awesome as they jump in and start bl- blasting things in the Annihilation Wave and Nova goes to, you know, create another Stargate, more amazing action. And it gets the attention of our main villain, once again, Annihilus, that the power level is so high that's being picked up from, from light years away. That tells you the power level of our hero and now... A nihilist is jumping into the scene because he wants to see what's going on with all that power. And he also, a nihilist also knows ominously that Quasar there and the, and the quantum bands are there. So he's attracted to all this power and jumps into the scene. So we've got three of four. Now the story's building up. It's getting bigger. And on the scene in that last page, the big nasty villain, a nihilist shows up. Corey, did it, did it keep at the entertainment level you were wanting for issue three? Yeah, I, I, I maybe even a little a little more, I would say. I like I'd like the I like the whole sort of setting of this evacuating the planet and the urgency around that. And and you know, we're seeing Quasar like trying to keep ships from crashing into each other because there's just a mess. Like they're just the everybody on the planet is in a bit of a panic. And so I like the the sort of context that this whole issue happens in and yeah, I, I think this was a cool issue, and it certainly is building up to a big finish. It, you know, everything is kind of building to this big crescendo of like another face-off with the Annihilation Wave and a confrontation with Annihilus. So yeah, I thought this was a great sort of building up again and, and a great tension. And I liked this interactions between all the characters of sort of pulling Rich in different directions. Like, no, we got to help the refugees. No, we just got to get out of here. And then Drax kind of, I think, sort of reassesses the situation and realizes like, we we just gotta you know we're here we there's no escaping it now so yeah i I like this i thought this was very cool very tense situation doug what'd you think things i really liked in this one is all the character interplay that that we see between quasar and drax and nova and quasar and everybody's back and forth and they have all their own opinions on it. What I found interesting is we see the world mind goes kind of quiet. I mean, he he pipes up a little bit here in the beginning, but Rich tells him basically to to be quiet. Whereas Quasar is 
Quasar, I think, is almost, he's what heals Rich Rider, I think, in this issue. Because even up until after that attack starts, Rich is still afraid to use the power. And Drax is telling Quasar about that. And and Rich is, uh, you know, gee, like, tell everybody. But once that fighting starts and Quasar jumps right in there, it's those panels where Rich is quiet and he's just, okay, I got to go. I got to go be me. I got to be Nova. I got to be Rich Rider, the hero. And zoom, off he goes. Like you were saying, Don, that great art page where he's flying up there. You know, the the funniest panel in this whole whole issue, or actually the whole miniseries for me, is where Quasar and Nova are talking about about Drax being Nova's mentor. And he's saying, I don't want to come back and find out that he turned you into evil Nova. And Nova's going anti-Nova, surely. Or Dark Nova. Dark Nova's the union preferred form. So, you know, it's just a little bit of banner between them, but I just, I thought that was hilarious. But again, I think it's it's Quasar who is the one who gets Rich back to being fully Rich Rider. I mean, I Drax was there enough to get him to get him going. The world mind is the one who picked him up, but it's Quasar that brought the hero back out of Rich Rider. And then the two of them are fighting as just as hard as they can, and they know they're not going to win. But Nova opens this massive Stargate, which is nice because the world mind makes that turn. And I think it's the same time when Nova becomes the hero again. The world mind seems to accept that he's doing what Nova Corps is supposed to do. It's what the hero is supposed to do. So he helps them make this massive Stargate. And all they needed was 10 minutes. And like you say, Annihilus shows up. I think we get this real sense that it's going to be coming to a head now. And, and then we have another database page. You know, when we was talking about me bouncing up and down, it's it's just it's a lot of fun in every panel and every moment because it really is a big time. I don't know. It kind of kicks off what I think is the platinum age for Nova. So now we move on to the final issue. And this is my favorite cover of the four issues. Uh, now, all four covers are fantastic. Uh, Quasar is on cover three. So that's easy to, you know, Quasar is cool and all. But hey, we're Nova fans. So to, to eliminate that one. But yeah, the first two covers are fantastic. But I kind of like that last one where, you know, he's clearly on some kind of grayish planet rock and he's getting fired up. And again, kind of that emotion with the, the old bucket head. He can he can still show a lot of emotion, even though he's got a bucket on his head. Moving on to 10 minutes and counting. Doug pointed out the 10 minutes because that's all they got to try to buy time for everybody and save the day. And another one of those epic panels, third page in on, on the story title page where Nova is zipping up to take on the fleet of the Annihilation Wave. We're still around Annihilation Day plus 11 because this is all happening at the same, well, the same 10 minutes, really, as far as this particular issue goes. And Rich, being Rich, he's done it before. He's done it in New Warriors. He's done it in his other series. He's jumping into action ahead of everybody else, even though World Mind concurs that with Quasar that he shouldn't be jumping into it alone, even though Rich says, I appear to be doing that anyway. And so now we have this kind of inner dialogue. We don't have normal speech pattern balloons. We get this dialogue where Nova's text is in his blue and gold colors and world mind is in kind of a lighter blue panel surrounded by gold. 
in normal black text. It really kind of sets it up so you know who is talking to who while things are blowing up and you have action panel after action panel after action panel and they're having this discussion and Nova gets a little bit overwhelmed and Quasar comes, Ben, Nova, I got your back. So now we got this great cosmic team up with Wendell and Rich blasting through the, the fleet. Again, the art as the entire series has gone on is fantastic. And we get round one, and not to spoil <laughs> when it may or may not happen again, but round one with Annihilus himself. So Quasar goes in first and he's trying to deal with Nihilus. Nova gets knocked out and Nihilus does it on purpose because he wants the quantum bands of Quasar. So we have the final battle of the first round and we lose, apparently, Wendell to Nihilus. Yeah, spoiler alert. Very powerful, very strong death scene as Wendell gets obliterated. And then we have an entire panel of when Nova regains consciousness and goes in and he has gone toe-to-toe with Annihilus and he's knocked him off his feet, quite literally, and surprises Annihilus with his power level and with his, I guess, heroism as Rich is trying to avenge the loss of his friend. Great battle scene. Nova, again, doesn't get to win this round, and but he does buy enough time for people to get out of there. He loses consciousness and we get set up where he asks Drax, the destroyer, or not the destroyer. And this is a really fascinating point, I thought, at the very end when he's asking Drax to train to fight. Because Nova's been, he's used his speed, he's used his powers, and usually just kind of flying at things and knocking people out. And, and an occasional punch here and there, Nova's just so fast, so strong, that he's able to win a lot of fights. But now he wants to be able to fight, fight. He wants to be able to get in there and go to a little more toe-to-toe with Annihilus so that the next time he sees him or other bad guys, that it goes a little bit better. So again, my favorite cover, it, it wraps up pretty well, but it's not quite wrapped up, obviously, because it's leading into the Annihilation series. But I thought the miniseries was, in in one word, epic. Corey, was it epic for you? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I think you're right. As far as the, it's just a explosion after explosion and a lot of sci-fi battles and blasts and shooting and the flying and the lasers yeah it's it's certainly visually dynamic and and the end of this miniseries also is sort of the end of setting up nova's new status quo so as nova's kind of zipping around trying to shoot all these the the annihilation wave ships and bugs and things he kind of needs like he needs the world mind to give him information faster than just sort of verbally saying it and so they they're all he's already in his head and so he's saying like stop don't just say it like just feed it to me but basically the world mind is is acting as like a second set of you know eyes and ears and is guiding nova through the battle and helping kind of con- uh, convert energy and power him in different ways and you know help him guide and fly around and so it's enhancing his senses it's enhancing his power levels it's enhancing his skills and really solidifies their relationship so now that they are not only just sort of interacting verbally but they are a a part a duo in a, in a sense even though it's just one person's body but you know it's it's two personalities working together in battle and in in combat and you know and then they do this stunt where when Annihilus tries to absorb Nova like he had just done with Quasar they use the world mind and its powers 
to tap into the hive mind. So Annihilus and all of the bugs that are under his control are sort of connected by this hive mind. And so the world mind uses its powers to somehow tap into that hive mind, at least with the ships that are in the area, and gets them to all start attacking each other. So Annihilus is kind of, that's that's sort of what sends Annihilus back and reels him back. And is like, wait a minute, this, this is a power level. This is, you know, this is beyond what I was expecting. And he can't even, he can't undo the command. He can't get his troops to stop shooting at each other. The best he can do is just to have them all basically just commit suicide. Just like, just have them self-destruct because we can't turn it off. So this, this sets up this rivalry that'll be addressed in the main miniseries. Doug, what did you think? Yeah, you know, the, the parts I really, really liked in this is we see Rich's leadership pop out again. It would have been easy just to have him keep jumping in and, you know, exchanging punches with Annihilus and, you know, blowing up ships just here and there. But he has really got it together. And I think the way he's approaching things is terrific. It's use, He's using the things at hand to give himself the upper hand. The death of Quasar here, and we see how that really causes Rich to unload on Annihilus. He gets gravely injured. I mean, he he takes that hit that obviously cut open the side of his head, and even Quasar's going, oh, oh, man, that's bad. But still, Rich gets up, and he's going right after him again. But then Rich, again, still knows, okay, we've made the damage. I need to retreat, and we need to get ourselves gathered together for the bigger battle coming. And I really like how Kev Walker took the artwork of the the last three pages are basically throwbacks to the beginning of the first issue. You've got the static, you've got the kind of the outside camera look of what's going on. And then there's Rich kind of upside down at that odd angle. Instead of being in the snow, he's out in space. But Rich's reaction very different this time than the beginning of the series where he's telling Drax, okay, I need you to train me. I think it ended fantastic. Just a great, great series completely beginning to end. And I think it sets up the main series extremely well. Yeah, it really, it really does. And one of those things where, and the exact moment that it happens where Rich is saying, Hey, we really need to do these things. And I, and I like it where world mind finally, instead of where world mind understandably is looking for preservation because world mind represents a fallen world and all these people and all their memories and all their culture is kind of doing a survival mode. And Rich eventually wins world mind over to say, Hey, our mission is bigger than that. We got things to do. We got places to go. So I really like, and, and as you guys both pointed out, it really kind of sets up the main series and it really for this evolution of Nova uh, DNA, uh, write a great series. Kev Walker draws a great series and it leads right back into uh, Giffen's big annihilation story. So if this was your first you know, introduction to Nova, you know, lucky you, because it it's a great story. And if you were a long-suffering Nova fan, starts and stops and years without Nova stories in between, this is kind of being patient uh, really pays off because they, they found Rich some really cool stuff to do. I, I loved it. This miniseries in particular really got things going. Really, I don't know, it, it, it moved him in, in a direction that all makes sense. And it's still Rich. He's not, you know, he's making mistakes. He's still not a perfect 
guy and he understands that he's very self-aware now though that's kind of new for rich what ultimately where, where does it stand for you in the long-standing uh, nova series and stories Corey? yeah i i think probably it's it's the best obviously this is one piece of a larger story but you you can read this and it is four issues I mean, you could you could just get those four issues without the prequel because it, it explains the prequel within the opening and so you could just read these four issues and it's satisfying it's and it's probably the i would say probably the the strongest four issue story of nova uh, the entire nova like mythology you know i mean i maybe could be convinced otherwise but but i think it's just it's strong D, uh, dan abnett and andy lanning just the their dialogue is really wonderful like it's really you know enjoyable and feels you know it feels human like it feels like actual people talking it's great like conversational dialogue but it's plotted out really really well as well like i, I doug i love that i don't think i really quite realized this before i doug doug i love the point you made where you said in you know first issue basically it's the world mind that helps kind of like lift rich off of the the ground and get him standing again it's on the second issue it is drax who gets him to actually like start fighting again it's quasar in the third issue who gets him to be a hero again and then in this fourth issue it's rich himself who like gets him to be a leader and is starting to get him into that position of being sort of this like beacon of hope for the the universe which we'll see more of in the next in the miniseries so it's just this wonderful evolution really tight compact character arc that is also just just like it's just a kick of a, of a story like it's just like a you know great like you know as i think don you said in the beginning like a summer blockbuster kind of feel to it so yeah it's it is definitely among my favorite if not my favorite nova story doug what did you think if you're gonna ever see an evolution of a character in one series in one event i don't know if we've seen a character make such a leap as we do Nova in this one. And I think that lends to how we have seen him evolve since the beginning, since 1976, where this is a character that is fully developed now. He's had this big journey up to, you know, a lot of people say this is the ultimate version of what he could be. I, you know, he could probably always still evolve, but we get the advantage as readers that he's not stagnant. He's not you know, stuck kind of like a Captain America or a Batman or a Superman or Spider-Man where, you know, the personalities, their ability to grow and change and evolve is is really limited just because of maybe their iconic status. Whereas Rich, Rich, we see growing from a, you know, what some would call a B-hero or such to he's becoming, you know, alpha class here. So, yeah, I can't say enough about this. It's a great, great series. Okay, and that is our look at Annihilation Prologue and the Annihilation Nova miniseries. The next time that you hear the three of us together, we are going to jump into the main event known as Annihilation. Final thoughts. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Xandar Radio. I hope you enjoyed it and look forward to receiving your feedback. Send your comments as a voice message, and it may be played in a future episode. And of course, you're always welcome to send an email to xandarradio at gmail.com. Or leave a post at the Xandar Radio Facebook page. All avenues can be reached at novaprimepage.com, 
slash podcasts.asp. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to the roundtable co-hosts, Don Lund and Corey Blake, for another fun chat. Thank you for taking time to listen to the program today. The next episode of Xandar Radio will be released in October with the latest Nova news, fun features, and a new Studio 64 segment featuring an interview with writer Jay Ferber. Until then, have a blue blazing day. This is the world mind. I am taking back control from my human host. Zunda Radio is a Studio 64 production of the Nova Prime page. This program is the property of Doug Smith. Nova and other characters mentioned are trademarks of Marvel characters, incorporated, all rights reserved. Music heard in the program is by Chad Crouch. A link to his site and the license can be found at novaprimepage.com.